We all know the damage that fires are capable of. What we don't always understand is the cause, behavior, and what to do in the aftermath of a fire. Today, you'll understand these aspects just a little bit more. Welcome to Speaking of Fire with Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram. We will give you tips on fire prevention, how to deal with insurance matters, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Donna and Mike. Hello and welcome to Speaking of Fire. This is your host, Mike Slatman, a past president of the International Association of Arson Investigators and honored to be so. Um, also, uh, I've been in the fire investigations uh, business since uh, over 45 years now and still working out there with Fire Consulting International. And I'm also honored to be the manager of Consolidated Fire Investigation Services, over 200 fire investigators in not the big box stores, but the guys that are regional experts all over the country. And this is Donna Ingram. I have over 30 years in the fire business and am a past director of the International Association of Arson Investigators also. And the International Association of Arson Investigators, who had their seminar here a couple weeks ago in Frisco, their annual one, and then there are 80 chapters uh, under the international separate chapters. The main purpose of that is to raise the standard and provide training for fire investigators. And that's something that is very dear to my heart, and Mike's heart has been almost 40 years he's been a member um, me for for the 30, and we've served on committees, we've held chairs, we've uh, held office, and done all of these things uh, basically for free. I mean, you don't get paid to do this for training to raise the standards. And last week, we covered subrogation and spoliation, and we talked a lot about where to go to look for the resources, and this week we're going to talk a little bit about report writing, which is something I go around the country and speak to uh, groups of fire investigators about. Right, and as a matter of fact, you're going to be in Georgia, aren't you, uh, teaching a, a report writing class and at the Georgia chapter. When is that? That's in July. <clears throat> July the 23rd. There's some seminar seminar goes Monday through Thursday so it's their southern it's this it's the Southern Georgia Fire Investigators Association which is IAAI and it's in Savannah Georgia at the Marriott um, you can look them up online Georgia Fire Investigation Association uh, the southeastern region and I'll be teaching myself and Kirk Hankins will be teaching Monday July 23rd uh, we'll put everyone to sleep right after lunch well, that's really nice of you to do that. I mean, and Kirk, you know, Kirk being a past, uh, well, he's he's uh, he was the chair of the CFI committee for so many years, and he's he's been such a great contributor to IWAI. Um, he got this Distinguished Service Award. Uh, I was honored to get that recently, and uh, and uh, he is a uh, he's terrific. Um, don't let him. Don't tell him I said that. Okay, I don't want him to find <laughs> out. All right, and. Um, we're going to be ending our show, by the way, on June the 27th. It'll be our last show. So we're going to go out in, in style, and we've got some really great um, uh, guests coming up, and we'll do that at the end of the show. But um, Donna, was on, well, it's an honor to be uh, asked to, to address some of these uh, chapters, and uh, we're always open to that. Um, I have a friend named Alex Kanan, um, who is my friend over 40 years. We were we were cops together, and uh, and then I got him involved in fire investigation. Uh, and he was a 30-year um, uh, investigator for one of the big box stores. Anyway, he um, he thought that, and he, I wanted to tell you this, Donna, because I didn't tell tell you this, but he said we we had a scotch the other night and and he said he thought it was courageous of us to go on the air and uh and and do this and i thought well i never thought about it that way i don't think it's courageous i think what we're trying to do is spread the word to to the general public and to fire investigators on how uh how we do these things but also um we're not going to tell the inside secrets of course but um we're also going to tell them how important it is uh that they don't set themselves on fire (laughs) And uh, <laughs> and hopefully, and if they do, we'll we'll find out what happened. Um, well, it was today, certainly an evolution here, yeah. of you know, tr- knowing that we have listeners that are mostly fire service, uh, fire investigation related 
uh, professions, but also we had general public uh, throughout this last year and a half. And and so we had a diverse amount of subjects, but still keeping it relevant to speaking of fire. And now, if we were going to continue, we've we've entered in, we've evolved into a place of of really getting into some technical training, like we did last week, and and we're doing today about giving the resources, and that's what we do in person, on the road, in the air, and that's what we are doing when you don't hear us on the air. This is this is what we do, in addition to actually investigating fires. That is. <laughs> Yeah, of course, yeah, and then yeah, and I'm teaching. I'm the primary instructor for the expert witness uh, course, uh, testimony course for IWAI, uh, and and that is very important to everyone. Um, we believe, and and, uh, and to be experts in in our field. Today, we're going to talk about report writing, and we don't ask you to make notes very much, but I am going to ask you to make some notes today because uh, I want you to write down a couple of these places where you can look. Um, or, uh, about report writing in in, uh, in 1033 and 921 and, and some ASTM standards that and uh, they have numbers so we want you to to uh, look at those um, and we're not going to read you a bunch of passages um, uh, we did read a little bit last week but only because we thought it was extremely important and I think it's extremely important this week but uh, we're going to we're going to just hit the highlights and uh, and Donna uh, She's the color commentator. I'm kind of the guy that does the straight man, and and I kind of throw this out there, and Donna hits it over the fence. So, the first thing we want to talk about, though, is we're going to talk about what we have to use, and all of us in fire investigations have to use, and that's the scientific method. And the sci- there's only seven steps to it, so let's go through them real quick. Uh, recognize the need is the first one. Recognize the need is there's been a fire and it needs an investigation. Uh, the next one is define the problem. Define the problem is we get to the scene. What are you going to need to you to properly investigate this scene? Uh, is the fire out already? If they're putting it out, uh, you know what do, what has to be done to make sure that they don't destroy the scene so that you can find out what happened in it. Uh, define the problem. The next one is collect the data and you collect data. Photographs, it's videotapes, it's it's uh, it's it's uh, measurements, uh, it's surveillance tapes from other places, it's interviewing, it's all different things. It's collected data, and then analyze the data. Inductive reasoning is is you analyze it and say, okay, where did it start? And you do the out, you go from the exterior to the interior, highest, least, the lowest, most damage. Um, where's the most damage? Uh, where's the longest burning area? And you analyze this data and you say, okay, well, it didn't start on the outside. Now we've done that. We've looked at that. And then inside. And then you go to the last, you go to the least damage areas to the most damage area. And then you develop hypotheses along the way. Did this happen? Did that happen? Did this cause a fire? Did that cause a fire? Um, it did, the, did the lighting fixtures cause the fire? Did the, did the, the microwave, did the refrigerator, did all these different things you're, you're analyzing them. You're developing these hypotheses and you're, you're rejecting them. It's by how you adjust them because the next step is you test the hypothesis and you test it by uh, cognitive testing inside your brain. You're testing it, your observations. You can also do experiments. You can do uh, all kinds of things to test it. And then finally, you develop a final hypothesis. And the final hypothesis is the one there where you determine where the area of origin was and the and then ultimately the cause of the fire, if you can do so. Um, to do that, you, you've got this working hypothesis. You use fire dynamics. You use guidelines, you use fire pattern analysis, human behavior, witness statements, fire testing, environmental interactions, fire and explosion, loss histories, uh, fire scene assessment, and fire testing. All of these things go in to this final hypothesis before you can actually determine the cause of the fire. Now, we have documents and documents that help us and texts that help us. 1033 is the standard for professional qualifications for fire investigator. That is the standard. That is you shall, you not shall, you must, you will, you will do this, you shall do this, not you can do this, you may do this. No, it's you shall do this. 
And then 921 is the guide for fire and explosion investigations. And the latest uh, latest 1033 is t- 2014, and the latest 921 is 2017. And then in addition, and a lot of... Uh, Fire investigators don't know this, but there's ASTM International. It was formerly the American Society for Testing and Materials, but ASTM also has standards that apply to fire investigations and their reports. And we're going to talk about the the requirements of 1033 and the the guide uh, 921, and we're also going to talk about what ASTM says about that. So, so let's start. Uh, quickly with uh, NFPA 1033. Remember, this is the shall. You will do this. 4.7.1. Okay, NFPA 1033 4.7.1 says you will prepare a written report given investigative findings, documentation, and and a specific audience so that the report accurately reflects the following things. The fire investigation findings, is concise, expresses the investigator's opinion, contains facts and data that the investigator relies on in rendering the opinion, in other words, showing your work, okay, contains the reasoning of the investigator by which each opinion was reached, and then finally meets the needs and requirements of the attended audience. Now, the intended audience, if you're a public service person, is the fire investigation community, right? Your your department, your superiors, uh, are you going to, we're trying to go for fire pre- prevention, or if it was an incendiary fire, uh, also the law enforcement people, the uh, criminal litigation side, okay? And <clears throat> if it was the, if you're a fire investigator that's in the private sector, you also are bound by the same 1033, and, but your audience may be different. It might be uh, the, the insurance company. Uh, it might be the uh, the um, the insured. It might be a, it might be a, an attorney firm. It might be a manufacturer. Uh, these could be audiences. And so you write your report that still presents all of the things I've just said, and which is in 1033, and it is directed towards the the audience, which is in, in the insurance company. So you're going to be using different types of terminology. You're going to be using that the, the, the fire scene was the, at the risk. Uh, the risk was the building, right? Um, you're going to talk about different things about the, uh, you're going to probably have a, an analysis by an engineer that you're going to rely on some of the engineer's findings. Those things will be reported a little differently, but we're going to talk primarily today about the public service people. Did you want to add anything there, Dan? Yeah. And, and that's the important part of this is the, we call it staying in your own lane and the scope of your investigation. So we do have different purposes. That doesn't mean that they're adversarial or opposite each other at all. It just means that they're different. And so, of course, public, public safety is public safety. You're there to, for fire prevention and then to find out what's going on. And NFPA, you need statistics so that it needs to be accurate to be able to judge. On the insurance side, on the private side, now we're talking about we talked about last week, segregation um, matters and liability, basically. Who's responsible for this? What is responsible for this? Is it a product you know, manufacturing issue um, or did someone actually cause this to happen, whether it was accidental or intentional? So there's your scope is is what. So, for example, and we're not going to get deep into it, NFERS has a checklist. Uh, or if you're in the BAT system, uh, it's a little more elaborate. Uh, has a checklist, and that is your statistical data being collected uh, to be reported back through the U.S. Fire Administration. Uh, that's one scope of how things are being reported. And in fire investigation and origin and cause is now you're getting into expert territory where you're rendering an opinion. Mike, I'll let you go with that. Yeah, well, the opinions are, yes, you're rendering your opinion, and, and uh, 921 has uh, chapters on that. Uh, and and uh, you should really take a look at uh, at the, the cause of the fire and uh, the rendering the cause of the fire and making sure that you're not using speculative information uh, and you're, you're 
you can prove the cause of the fire. The truth has a ring to it. And so you have to convince you first what caused the fire and then go with with all the supporting data. You just can't say there's a thing that Ipsy dicks it in, in the law. Uh, it says it's that way because I say it's that way. No, that's not <laughs> that's not acceptable, particularly under Daubert standards. Uh, you you will be thrown out if you're just saying it's that way if you because I say it's that way you need supporting data and um, this might be a good time for you I'd like to hear what you have to say about that supporting data they're out there and I don't want to take us off of report writing too far but because reporting is is documenting you're seeing investigation and that means your collection of, of data um, circumstantial evidence versus physical evidence, Mike. Well, there's, yes. Okay, well, physical evidence, of course, is all the things you use for fire investigation, which is fire dynamics, right? Fire pattern analysis, arc mapping. These are all physical things that you can show in photographs, right? Witness information is also a thing we use, and that should be evaluated on uh, on, a, on a per case basis of that particular witness, uh, and that and that may be circumstantial. Um, things might be, you might see, say a, a witness uh, sees the, the, the person that owns a building driving away from the place 15 minutes before the fire. Okay, that's, that's a circumstance. And, it, and, and uh, does that mean that he, if he drove away from there, does that mean he set the fire? Of course not. Of course not. Okay, right. <laughs> does, it mean, does it mean that there's, there's a for sale sign in front of the house? Okay, does that mean that he set the fire? No. Um, supporting data. Supporting data is everything, it's the totality of the circumstance. Okay, let's say this fire is a set fire, and uh, our, maybe, no, it's, the guy drives away from the scene, the place is for sale, he, or maybe, uh, and, and you go inside and you find out that it isn't a set fire at all. It's a, it's an, a malfunction of a particular product or something. Did he cause that malfunction? Well, that's uh, that's where we bring in the engineers to find out if it was jerry-rigged in some manner to cause it. But let's say it's not. I mean, I've driven away. I've I've went to one one time in in a place called Slater, Missouri, where this guy drove away from the scene and was on fire within 15 minutes. All right. Well, boy, that sounds bad, doesn't it? It's terrible. You know, the, and the place was not exactly doing great business and all that. And we go in and look at it. And what it was, was he was running a, a walk-in cooler off of uh, extension cords, okay, that were stapled to wooden uh, objects. The, the bottom line is he had a catastrophic, of, uh, uh, it was a fault, uh, and it caused a fire. Now, that, now, does that mean he set the fire? Of course not. But, it, but what I'm trying to tell you is that you won't know that until you do use the scientific method and you evaluate everything, the totality of the circumstance, and you never make a, an, an opinion until you've got, collected all the information. Let's say, let's say this was a, a product problem. You want to check what? Consumer Product Safety Commission, right? You want to see if there's been recalls. You want to find out if they're having other fires and other, and one of the things that the IAAI is wonderful about is you have 80 chapters all over the world and, and we talk to each other and we educate each other and you can call somebody up in a jurisdiction. Uh, let's say that this guy had just moved in from another jurisdiction, didn't do so well, was trying to sell his place, it burns, and you check up in the other jurisdiction and find out he's had three other fires. Interesting, huh? Okay, but you won't know that unless you unless you check. So, and that's where the IWI is wonderful. And and Donna has uh, been instrumental in, in encouraging the the latest chapter, Brazilian chapter, um, and um, the the 80th chapter. And I know they were represented in Frisco, and we're happy to have them on board. And all the people in South uh, in in Mexico and in uh, Ecuador and. Uh, Peru and places like that. So, you 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 use the 1033s and the 921s, and and your skills. The you know, did your ability to read patterns analysis and and to write a report then 
uh, that is supported by the facts, by the photographs, by the physical evidence, by sampling, by experimentation, by um, by witness information, all of those things come together. And and in 1033, you have to you have these JPRs. It's called job performance requ- uh, requirements. And the requ- requisite knowledge for writing a report is is um, the types uh, for the types of audience. And the skills are writing skills, ability to analyze information and determine the reader's needs and requirements. The additional, and for additional information regarding that, they refer, 1033 refers to ASTM. ASTM E620, Standard Practice for Reporting Opinions of Scientific and Technical Experts, and ASTM E678, Standard Practice for Evaluation of Scientific or Technical Data. If you don't know those, I mean, I'm going to report, I'm going to, I'm going to write these down because you need these. You need these if you're going to write reports. E620, ASTM, E620, Standard Practice for Reporting Opinions of Scientific or Technical Experts, and E678, Standard Practice for Evaluation of Scientific or Technical Data. Now, that, that will give you what you need to put in your reports. Uh, how you need to substantiate that, and if uh, and remember, you have to stay plain language. You want to talk about that, uh, Donna? A little bit of plain language stuff. Well, that's in, and that's something <clears throat> that juries and even even it, it can become very confusing. You're you're talking to people in regular language, so that means we need to eliminate the jargon. We use things, for example, uh, fall down. That's falling, burning debris. That's fall down. A regular person isn't going to understand what that means. So that's a very simplistic example of using jargon and just using plain English. Don't we don't need to get so technical. We do when when we are when we are evaluating our our data when we are doing our hypotheses, we absolutely need to know these terms for ourselves. It's scientific, but we need to transfer that over to a judge, a jury, and and attorneys in plain language that they can understand because that's part of the documentation of your scene. And it's a communication. Report writing is a communication. And by the way, it's the final communication. And this is something I tell all my classes it's the worst part of the job. It really is. You can be out there in August picking your guts up in the heat, but you detest report writing. And there's a psychological reason for that. You've already completed your scene. You've already come to your conclusion, even if it's undetermined, even if you're waiting on further information. You and your brain, your brain has said, this is what it is. I've completed this. So psychologically, sitting down and needing to write it down is not mm-hmm. fun. <laughs> no, it's not, and, and, and it's and frankly, it, you are absolutely right. It's the worst part, and we're going to have to take a break here in a minute. And uh, and you know what, uh, Donna, you can continue with that when we come back after the break. But but I was thinking also, um, it's very difficult to separate what is uh, sometimes uh, what you can say or what you you think you can say. <laughs> so you don't want to put any speculative information. And when we come back, we'll talk about that too. But um, Donna is going to have some really good, in- yeah. If you say dr- fall down, somebody's going to say, some some jury's going to say, who fell down? You right. say drop down, who dropped down? Who, no, no, that's not it. It's falling, burning debris. That's what you mean. So let's uh, let's take a break here. We got, um, we got, we uh, to come back and we get some really good tips from uh, Donna's too. Okay. So when we come back, please come back to speaking of fire. easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Fire Consulting International provides consulting and expert fire origin and cause investigations. 
Our experienced certified fire investigators have specialized skills to meet litigation requirements. We also provide peer review of reports for other investigative firms to assure they meet NFPA guidelines and ASTM standards. Educational classes and CEU classes are also provided. For professional investigations, contact Fire Consulting International at fcifire.com or call 913-262-5200. Fireanalysis.net offers cutting-edge, comprehensive programs unique to the insurance industry. Our vendor vetting assures regulatory compliance with the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, NFPA guidelines, and ASTM standards. We ensure that investigators' reports are in compliance with those standards. We also offer comprehensive programs to assure compliance with your company guidelines. Please contact FireAnalysis.net. That's FireAnalysis.net. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Speaking of Fire with Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram. To call in to today's show, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to connect at speakingoffire.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Speaking of Fire. Thanks for joining us. Right. So prior to our uh, prior to the break, uh, Donna was able to use a wonderful term as puking your guts out at a fire scene somewhere. <laughs> and uh, I've seen people actually get so upset about doing public speaking. They they uh, they have to run to the bathroom real quick now. So so she got to do puking. So I want to talk about projectile vomiting. OK, this <laughs> no, is a real. Not. No, no. OK, well, all right. Then. OK, if let's you get, just right. talk about ASTM standards and move on. Oh, okay. All right. Well, okay. Well, let's talk about ASTM six uh, E six twenty. And what it says there is, it says that um, you that you have to, as a technical expert, uh, that you must present this information uh, that may be reasonably expected to be the subject of criminal or civil litigation. So you must you must present this in a in a in a positive manner. And what it's got to show is the scope of your investigative uh, activities and the facts and data according to to practice e, in to practice E six seventy eight standard practice for evaluation of the data. So it has to have all the technical opinions that you're gonna you're going to and and conclusions um, and. And so there it is, and your has it has to be logical, and it has to show your reasoning. Okay, um, sometimes the the format is what your department wants it to be. If you're if you're you know you have to go with what your department policy is. Otherwise, there'll be other there are other things like the federal rules of of court procedure, uh, like twenty six A. Uh, Rule 26A, which which says that you'll present all of your opinions and all the supporting data, and and in a particular style, and that is usually helped. You're helped with uh, your 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 federal attorneys will help you, or the uh, local, uh, or the uh, fire investigation attorney. Um, also, ASTM E78, the standard practice for evaluation of technical data, scientific and technical data. It says in 3.1, okay, listen to this. Persons engaged in forensic investigations are responsible for identifying significant data. So you're responsible for it. They then analyze and correlate the data and report conclusions and opinions. These opinions should be, and this is underlined, so it goes to show you how important this is. These opinions should be supported by data and reported in a form that is understandable to the layman, to the layman, familiar with the incident, and capable of being evaluated by knowledgeable scientists, engineers, or other investigators. So you are writing not only for your department or your client. You have you're writing also 
so that it is capable of being evaluated by a knowledgeable scientist, engineers, or investigators. Notice that there's a difference between fire origin and cause uh, experts and engineers. They're not the same thing. They're, uh, they're, um, their disciplines are different. And I know there's a lot of companies that want to mix those now, but in reality is that a lot of engineering companies want to make their engineers origin and cause people. The problem is, the difficulty is, they don't have the same experiences, they don't have the same study uh, and background. So um, we are the experts in origin and cause, the fire investigators, and the engineers are experts in their own disciplines. And I like engineers okay i i use them see god created engineers everybody thinks they like to design buildings or save people's lives no they just did it for fire investigators see okay so anyway so finally the opinions and this is under that same astm standard Opinions should be formed and conclusions drawn only after the data has been evaluated. Opinions or conclusions must account for all relevant facts related to the incident and consistent with the accepted scientific or logical principles. This, and to determine the, <laughs> the cause of the fire, the fire cause, the circumstances, conditions, and agencies that bring together a fuel, ignition source, and oxidizers such as air resulting in a fire and combustion and the combustion uh, or a combustion explosion. Um, there you go. So you are charged now with doing this. You must do these things. And um, 921 has very limited information, uh, which I think Donna will talk about uh, too. So about that. So did you want to add something, Donna? Yeah, just in, in concept and in, in here's something that, has been a change over our careers. Um, it has, but it hasn't. It's become, uh, Daubert has, has, has become the thing, uh, being challenged has become the thing. There was a day, way back when, Mike, you remember more so than me, ha, 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 when mm-hmm. you could say this happened because I said it happened. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't any anyone on the other side to challenge it. There wasn't anyone on the other side, and we had not, we didn't have the statistics and, and the data and the, all of the things that ATF has done and John DeHaan and, you know, Dr. Icob and all of our experts have done um, in, in actually doing test burns and, and all those. So we didn't have that 40 years ago, 50 years ago. We understood mm-hmm. fire. And, and we certainly could look at, at witness testimony at, you know, circumstances and things like that and get an idea uh, in a criminal. But as far as the accidental went, uh, there was a lot, of, a lot of room there for challenge, correct? Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, and, there, and of course, there were a lot of myth-busting um, also mm-hmm. since, uh, since uh, over these years. But all that is... If fire, by the way, um, physics didn't change. Um, God uh, created physics, and, and uh, fire burns up out in a cone, blah, 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 doesn't you move across a horizontal surface without some help, uh, things like that. Um, but uh, that didn't change at all. What changed was the research. Um, you mentioned the Han and, and, and Icove. Well, Dr. Quintieri, John Quintieri, we're going to be having on next week, uh, the the quantitative analysis of of, of the temperatures and uh, the ca- the calculator you can use to determine what the heat is has been developed right. Uh, Doctor Vito Vesbraskis uh, is going to be uh, the following week. We're going to have him on. He wrote the ignition handbook. He took all of his work and all these other people that have been studying fire and put it all in one gigantic volume. Uh, which is the, called the Ignition Handbook. And, um, and doc, Dr. Quintieri's got a new book out on fire dynamics. Um, these, these are the kind of things that fire investigators now have to be familiar with. Do you have to know every equation in the world? No, of course not. Um, if you go to deposition, that's an open book test, by the way, folks. If you go to, to uh, deposition, bring your stuff, and you can open it up. You don't know what it is. You can say, hey, I can, but I know where to find it, right? 
And uh, but writing that report, you are, and I, I know Donna wants to talk about that. About writing a report, you're you're um, evaluated. Your language, your punctuation, your spelling is all evaluated by the reader, and and that can cause you some real trouble. Absolutely. And you will find in 921, there's really not a lot in 921 specific to report writing. Now, documentation of the investigation, where it talks about your note-taking, your diagramming, and all of these things and in collecting data, that is in there. And that's documenting. But as far as really writing the report... That's going to depend on your audience. That's going to depend on your department. Since we're talking public service, those are the things that that come into play, and that is why 921 does not address or tell you you should write it this way or you should write it that way. It says in there what needs to be documented, um, but it it really is going to fall on too. And I I always share with with all my students a, a logical format. And we were at the front end of that years ago in actually coming up with a decent format. And now I see it across the country, um, basically the similar format, which is giving a summary because that's the first thing people are going to read. And then from there, going with your reporting the incident and then your examination, exterior examination, going into the interior and just... And following a format is no different than your scene investigation. What happens with uh, with with uh, 921 is uh, they just they're writing primarily for the public service people. By the way, there is a C- CFITrainer.net um, has uh, report writing on it, so you need to go to CFITrainer.net and look at that. But anyway, there, where it's 16.5, it says reports. The purpose of the report to effectively communicate the observations, analysis, and conclusions made during the investigation. And it does kind of give you an overview of what needs to be reported. And it, it talks about um, uh, pertinent facts, um, such as a description of the scene, the items examined, things like that, uh, diagrams, uh, laboratory reports, all of that. And then opinions and conclusions is very important. The report should contain opinions and conclusions rendered by the investigator. The report should also contain foundations on which the opinions and conclusions are based. Okay? And uh, the name, address, and affiliation of everybody and uh, and then it talks about Rule 26A, which I talked about earlier. Don, are you back? I am. Okay, so I'm on a landline. I'm not really sure what happened there. Yeah, I don't so. either. It's a, are you sure you weren't talking like that? Like yeah, what? Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. I just want to make sure. I'm practicing my mime. <laughs> <laughs> be a mime. Yeah, yeah. Well, communicate. There are different types of communication. Well, you well you know that because you're driving down the road and some you, somebody gets cut off and the other guy communicates for, uh, by uh, um, hand signals. Right. Yeah, okay. So you were talking about communication, I think. I just uh, my point being that that the. Yeah, of course you're doing verbal communication. Uh, your documentation is communications, but putting it all together, that's what your narrative report is. And the narrative report needs to follow a consistent format, just like scientific method, just like you investigate your scenes. You do the same thing every time. And and you put the the information that you have consistently in the same format. And which, by the way, not only... Does, is that logical for the reader, but that also is training yourself. That's going to keep you in check. That and, and, and this happens. How many times, Mike, have you sat down with your format and gone, ah, I need to get, I need to get that. I need to find that. Right. That's right. Information. Yeah, so surprisingly, people don't, there, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, information out there that, that people don't remember to, to check sometimes, like the com- computer uh, con- Consumer Product Safety Commission website. Um, it was down for, I mean, it was uh, it was not so good for a while. They weren't funding it properly, and now it's back is better. Um, and then National Highway Safety, um, there's, there's um, 
uh, different uh, atmospheric things or for lightning strikes. Um, there are all kinds of different things you can check. And let us not forget that we, part of our job is research. So knowing that there's there's a Kirk's fire investigation aid by Jahan and and by Dahan and uh, Gerald Haynes is out there is you need to get that. Uh, you need to get Dr. Quintieri's book. You've got to get the ignition handbook. You can get the ignition handbook, although it says it's cost a thousand dollars on wine. You can get a, a electronic one. Uh, I think, uh, and 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 I'm sure Dr. Roscus will tell us uh, where you can get it for a, a few hundred dollars, a couple hundred. I think it's two hundred and something. Uh, these are important things. And you need to know these things because you're, you may be challenged, uh, particularly un- under the Dalbert uh, challenge, where you need to know these things. And just like 1033 says you will, be, you will have a, um, training in 16 separate topics. 1.3.7 says that. And 1.3.8 tells you where to get it. So I'm telling you, you need to know these things. You need to research. Uh, it's not... It's not just, it, it's not, I don't want to discourage anybody from being a fire investigator. I like fire investigators. I train fire investigators. And we teach fire investigators all over the country. And you have, you can, can get in touch with us. We'll come to your vicinity and put on something on whatever topic you need to, that we've been teaching. Uh, uh, but I want to tell you, you must do your research and then present it in an understandable manner for a jury. Um, Donna has a wonderful uh, thing that she does about punctuation uh, that I always think is funny. Uh, do you want to tell them? That, You're you about the only them? one that thinks that's funny, by the way. Okay. Well, I, no, I really do. I think that's hilarious. Why don't you it's tell them? It's the six-foot man-eating tuna, and it's, it's a six-foot man, comma, eating tuna. Now you know what I've said. If I take the comma out and I say a six six-foot man-eating tuna, what did you imagine? A six-foot-tall tuna eating a man. <laughs> it's that simple. And punctuation is what makes or breaks that statement in writing. So you, the reader's going to look at it two different ways. That's where punctuation comes in. For example, a comma is a pause. When you are providing a pause for a reader, it's giving them time, because we read much faster than we speak, and it's giving us time to catch up what we're, what we're in, and slow down, catch up with the information in, that we've just brought in quickly. Mm-hmm. The comma is the pause so that you can absorb that information and comprehend it. That's comprehension. Yeah, the first time I ever heard it was, you said a six-foot man-eating tuna was standing on the corner. And now, see, I said, oh, my gosh, six-foot, and that's what I thought, this fish was standing there. <laughs> and uh, and then a six-foot man-eating tuna was standing on the corner. Yeah, that made a little bit of a difference. Yeah, so. Uh, There's another one, but you can't say it on the air or in certain company. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear that one because yeah. you know we are. Yeah, we I'll go tell all you over. later. <laughs> yes, we go all over the world here. Oh, by the way, speaking of going all over the world, went down in Frisco, and a guy from I think his name was Foster. I oh, that's correct. Uh, from Australia came up and said, "Hey, I've been listening to your show. Thank you for doing the show." And I said, "Well, thank you." And I said, "Oh, he's the listener." Hmm. Well, that's so we funny because I had the opposite experience. I had someone come up and go, are you guys ever going to shut up and get off the air? <laughs> <laughs> I hope he was one of our friends. Okay. <laughs> anyway, all right, so, so we he have to... He was one of our be- employees. <laughs> oh, well, I wouldn't doubt that, too. Okay, so, so we know that we have to, to, we have to report what pertinent facts and opinions and conclusions, right? And they have to be based on this data, and they have to be presented in, in because the way we communicate is in language first and in writing and written, written language, right? And so what I always tell my uh, inve- investigators and employees is this. You don't write how you speak, okay? So you wouldn't be putting all those y'alls in there and you wouldn't be putting those urines and all those other things that, that if you, you know, you would, you would write as, as, Presenting it, it's not in the in the Queen's English because we're not 
that we we don't spell even spell honor the same way, but um, not in the Queen's English and not in our regular conversational American. Okay, we write one step above conversational American, and we drop the jargon. Okay, so we're, we're explaining things to fire burned up uh, up and out and 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 it destroyed the kitchen cabinets I didn't know what it was whatever it is you describe how you you got from this one place of, of least burning to the area of most burning and you spend a lot of time just like you would in, in and uh, and there are a lot of photographs where you're where you're going to take the most photographs you're going to take the most photographs in the area of origin right so you describe how you got to this area of origin by take and you take photos sequentially to get there from the exterior to the interior highest least lowest most and you get to that place and you describe how you got there show your work and then how did you get this particular area of origin then how did you get this particular point of origin and then what did you do about it all right i took samples from this and this this place send them off to the laboratories blah 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 uh, Armstrong Frederick Laboratory is the one we, we use in in Arlington, Texas. But um, and we and then you report back. Uh, the, the lab report said this. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're always reporting all the data, and you can rely on other people that are professionals, chemists, right? The laboratory. Uh, electrical engineers. We eliminated the the uh, circuit breaker panel by you know not only photographs observations, but we had an electrical engineer look at it. All right, and he said this, and he has his own separate report anyway. So, so the bottom line is you're you're talking to um, a jury. By the way, every time you do this, whether it's a criminal case or a civil case, you're always talking to. You have to write it like you're talking to a jury jury i always tell my people write it for write it for the attorneys okay write it for the attorneys because they're going to evaluate you on your language and experience and uh and and also um remember that 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 report that you generate has to be signed by you it has to be reviewed by somebody. Don't for, let us forget that. If you're a one-man shop and you don't have any peer review, better get in touch with us so we can be, a, a, I mean, a technical review or a peer review. Better get in touch because you're going to have to have somebody looking at that because they might find that flaw that, you're, that, you're, um, that you have there that's going to kill you. <laughs> and in deposition, you don't want to be presented with how inept you are. You want to be presented with, they want to read that report, and then they'll challenge you on your facts. You know, they may challenge you on your uh, hypotheses, but you're going to be able to defeat that because you're going to know what you're talking about, right? Well, you want somebody to back you up too, right? So there you are. Um, and remembering that that your language, you're being evaluated on your language, so if you write inappropriately and you misspell things and you don't use proper punctuation and all that stuff can come back to get you. Now, I'll give you one experience I had. Well, I've had it more than, more than once. I read, I, I read my reports, of course, before I go to deposition. And every once in a while, I'll find a misspelling or a, a typo. Um, and that, you know, I try to blame that on my, on the, on the administrative staff, uh, but it's, you know, I missed it, didn't I, when I read it, or when I read it. Uh, so, um, I will, the first thing I do after I get sworn in is I say, uh, I would like to bring something up before we get started here on page four, uh, paragraph three, uh, the third sentence says that should, there's a typo there. All right. Now, what does that show you? Shows you that I am reading my reports, that I'm familiar with it, that I'm meticulous in, in looking at things, and that I know uh, I know how to spell <laughs> somewhat. Anyway, uh, what's your input to that, Donna? Well, absolutely. Uh, technical review is, is crucial. P- 
peer review certainly on on uh, we do that on a regular basis that that is a litmus test of sorts <laughs> that right. that for for your bigger cases and things like that um, the technical review could be your supervisor could be your coworker it could be somebody that knows and it's going to it's going to determine if there's holes in, of information missing. doesn't mean that you didn't do your job, but there might be information missing, which ties back to your format, as we were speaking of. Because basically, if you kind of approach this as, as, as a trainer, when you write a report, you're actually a teacher of sorts. And what you're teaching is what you did in your job and how you went about doing it. And by the way, uh, IAAI says, and, and we say, we are truth seekers, not case makers. So if there's information you didn't get or information that you don't like, too bad. It goes in. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's exactly right. You got, it's inculpatory, uh, it's exculpatory in- information, exculpatory. Try that again. Uh, I can say it. Uh, anyway, so, but yeah, you have to put that in there too. And uh, I really want to thank you, Donna, for being here again today, this week. Um, and I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, we are ending this show on, uh, uh, we're going to, we only got two minutes left, so I've got to do this quickly. We're ending our show on June the 27th. We're going out in a blaze of glory. We've got Dr. Quinteri and Dr. Uh, Baboskas. And on our last show, we're going to have Dan Madrakowski from UL. He used to be with the NIST. He was with our first show, How to Keep Yourself from Setting Yourself on Fire. It's been one of the most popular shows uh, ever. So we're going to bring him back so that we can go out with him. Uh, we've had a good ride with this, and it's been a lot of fun. And um, but with time constraints and and frankly, this uh, costs a lot of money to be on the air. So and uh, I want to thank you, everybody for always listening. And Donna, you want to throw something in here? Oh, absolutely. Uh, be sure to join us the next few weeks, um, and then it'll be online indefinitely. So you can always yeah, go back. That's, that's right. So yeah, and make sure you you uh, come back to. Uh, uh, and telling me all the mistakes we made over time, we please. Uh, sure, I'm. Yeah. But, okay. So anyway, so when you come back and do come back for the next few weeks, please come back to speaking of fire. Thank you for tuning into Speaking of Fire. Please join your hosts, Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram, for another edition of our program next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember to be careful this week and every week.